never, ever marks the spot. I am altering the deep. Pray I don't alter it any further. Welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that once again brings you C2E2 to your ears. Uh, here is C2E2 Part 2. This is the remaining audio from our adventure at the con for the weekend. Um, my name is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me, as normal, is my brother Peter. This is the way. This is the way. <laughs> this, this, interestingly enough, uh, day two... So it's like day part one, which if you listen to the beginning, it was like um, it was all Bymore and Zachary Levi cosplay type employees. And then you had a whole bunch of X-Men cast members running around because the X-Men cosplay. Right. We move into day two and I felt like it was all Star Wars. I really did. Tall, yeah. Um, in terms of cosplay, there was I mean, yeah, the 501st was running around. Uh, doing their cosplay and doing their things like they always do. But then there were a whole bunch of Jedis and all that stuff because the Clone Wars 15th anniversary panel was later that evening. Well, what's funny um, about that, um, just to have a quick comment, I remember, so Friday, the previous episode focused on our uh, Friday at the con- convention and uh, Saturday morning, Drew, you and I got there super early. We were pretty far up in line as far as uh the people actually getting into the con right away. And I remember waiting in line and Drew, you were sitting there talking about how like, man, I just haven't seen enough stormtroopers. You know, usually you see some <laughs> stormtroopers, like fleets of stormtroopers walking around. You'll see a Darth Vader or two. And then as soon as the gates opened, as soon as people started flooding into the con, one of the first things we saw was an awesome Darth Vader costume escorted by two stormtroopers on either side. It was amazing, but it was like Friday, Friday at the convention, there was like a definitive lack of Star Wars characters there. And uh, it was awesome to just see those Star Wars cosplays so prominent because usually you go to a big uh, comic con like this and you're either greeted by just massive Marvel or DC stuff right away or like you're greeted by like a troop of stormtroopers wandering in the distance so it was awesome to be greeted by that but keep going i don't i didn't mean to interrupt you too much there but i just thought it was a funny no, moment it, it, <laughs> to it was a funny moment because like it's it's almost like i felt like i was going to like i haven't been to a con in a while and then suddenly like oh wow i have uh i have all this con stuff uh like it's like i have these expectations if you will you know what i mean it's like huh we're all the stormtroopers <laughs> Yeah. You know, and it shouldn't phase it. It doesn't phase me at all. You're walking around the con floor and all of a sudden there's a squad of stormtroopers walking towards you and you're just like, yeah, that's normal. That's a thing. That's what happens here. <laughs> um, 
And then it's no different when you turn the corner and you see Cloud from Final Fantasy and you're like, yeah, that's a thing that should be here, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And then you turn the next corner and there's a maid cafe and you're like, I don't get it, but that should be here, (laughs) you know? Um. (laughs) Right on, right on. Yeah. So it was really good. Ultimately, we spent more time on the floor this time, this day, than we did doing panels and stuff. Because there was really one big panel that we wanted to go to in the evening, and we'll get to that in a little while. Um, but we did wander over to the 501st booth, thinking, yeah. that, thinking that we would go talk to some 501st guys. And I felt like our timing was perfect, yet horrible at the same time. <laughs> because we're like, hey, let's go see if any of the 501st guys want to chat. And we walk in, and we hear this woman yell, make way for the Empire. <laughs> And then two Imperial officers lead a squad of stormtroopers with Darth Vader, Grand Admiral Thrawn, Darth Vader, and then more stormtroopers after them. And I'm like, well, they all left. Okay. (laughs) So one, it was amazing to watch that parade. Then again, it was also like, well, who's left? Is there anyone else to talk to? So. Absolutely. It was it was really funny timing because we were going over there specifically to try to talk to some members of the 501st. And then we come there as soon as the big uh, Empire Parade was going out. But it was still really awesome to see that. And uh, just like to throw like the 501st always has like really cool setups. But this year actually was pretty impressed. I thought they had a lot of really cool displays and stuff especially for um sort of like photo opportunities like yeah, you yeah, had yeah. you had your dejaric table um you had like your death star one uh trash compactor room like you had a lot of really cool spots to take photos of so i really appreciated that but um yeah we walked into the 501st and kind of just started talking to people who looked like they knew what they were doing you know you'd see people with their sort of like 501st battle vest uh jean jackets on and uh we started just kind of asking around and like seeing if anybody wanted an interview and uh, i think we got a really cool variety of interviews because the first person we talked to was this guy named nato shea who honestly was super approachable super nice and we found out that he was like kind of a newbie in the 501st so i think we got a little bit of perspective of somebody who was a newcomer into the world of the 501st Legion, but it was really cool to hear him talk about his experiences and uh, what his, you know, what does he prefer as far as like which events he likes to do and which costumes has he put together so far and stuff like that. And then uh, from there, we actually got a chance to talk to uh, Tom Rosie, who's actually the, uh, I, he directed he directed the documentary Behind the Bucket, which I don't is know this... if he, I don't know if he directed it. And Tom, if you're listening, I apologize for getting that wrong. Um, I, I know he was heavily involved in the development okay. of, of the documentary. So. Right. And that that's why I kind of paused because I was like, did he direct it, produced it? I'm not sure. But he yeah, he is a big force behind this upcoming documentary behind the bucket, which is specifically about the members of the 501st. And uh, he gave us some insight into that. And uh, I thought it was really cool because, of course, like Drew, me and you are interested in seeing this documentary. Like, it sounds awesome. But I think from what he said, I feel like he really shared that. To me, the mark of a really good documentary is if it focuses on a really niche subject or a subculture or something that you're not into, I think a really good documentary 
can still get you interested in that. And I feel like this documentary sounds like it has that kind of magic to it, which I am really, really pumped to uh, see eventually. So that'll be awesome. But uh, both both members were really friendly, awesome to talk to, and uh, related to Tom Rosie. I thought it was funny halfway through the, or I think it was after the interview, he realized that, Drew, you actually interviewed him before on our show. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's really funny. And it was like, he's like, I think I've talked to you before. You seem familiar. And this was after we turned the mics off. And I'm like, yeah, really? And I go, I know I talked to someone. He goes, maybe it was me. We went and he when he said something, I'm like, yeah, you and I talked last time I chatted with someone from the 501st. And then um, and it was and I thought it was interesting because, like, I recognized his tattoos. I'm like, nope, you're the same guy. But he wasn't wearing yeah. an at last time. And I think it threw me off. I haven't seen him in a couple of years, that kind of thing. So, yeah, you said um, he had he had a beard that he didn't have last time. So I mean, the, there was a pandemic and a couple years in between. But I thought that was really funny that we did the full interview without realizing that we that you had met him and done an interview with him before. So that was pretty great. But how about this, Tom? It was great to hear from you again. It was great to talk to you again. Absolutely. Um, and uh, I look forward to the documentary, and hopefully we can do this again. So um, I will just let the audio play for itself. So enjoy. This is uh, Nate O'Shea and uh, Tom Rosie from the Fighting 501st. Um, yeah, there you go. All right, everybody, we are here, obviously, C2E2 Day 2. I'm talking with Nate O'Shea from the 501st. That was loud. Hope that didn't get picked up. We're standing next to another microphone, so hopefully it doesn't bleed into this interview. Uh, Nate, how are you? How's the con for you? I'm great. I'm excited. I'm a little nervous. This is my first convention, actually. Uh, I just recently joined the 501st this past January as a biker scout trooper. Oh, that's, that's don't, you know, I didn't ask you before we started talking. That's actually one of my absolute favorite armor firms. So that was mine as well growing up. Um, so I loved Star Wars since I was a kid. Uh, always enjoyed the biker scout trooper, the motorcycle aspect, the speeder bike. Uh, I ended up uh, seeing the 501st on the Rose Bowl parade in 2007. And oh, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. when I learned about the 501st and had always wanted to join and finally had the the bravado and the adult money to <laughs> the adult money that's to to join up and the courage so i'm a biker scout and this being the 40th anniversary of return of the jedi is kind of special being a biker scout right on that's actually the only black series figure i opened with the bike because it was just too cool to not have to have sitting <laughs> in a box um so you do the biker scout do you do, is it just Biker Scout that you're focused on? Or are you going to try and build any other armor? Or are you going to like... For this first year, I'm going to focus on the Biker Scout. Okay. Get some troops under my belt to figure out where the armor bites me. Where the armor needs to be adjusted. So it's sure. not falling off when I'm walking around a con or some other charitable events that we're doing for the yeah. 501st. How long does it take to get in to the costume? It depends on how fast you want to build. Some people oh, take okay. years and some people get it done in months. Um, okay, that's... Part of the question I was asking, how long does it take you physically to get in the costume? Oh, physically. Sorry. I thought you I were mean, asking. I mean, great answer to the question, yes. but, you know. Physically to get in the costume, probably a half hour. Oh, all right. Okay. Nice. All right. Um, I mean, they make it look easier in the movie, I guess. <laughs> I was going to say, because you mentioned cons and charitable charitable events, and I know you, say you said you're new into the 501st, but what's your favorite event so far, or what kind of events do you like to do? So my first troop was for the Chicago Wolves game. Um, that was interesting. There was a lot of people, a lot of uh, 501st members, Rebel Legion members, Mando Mercs, Droid, Builders Club that were there. Uh, that was, for me, I enjoyed that. All the little kids coming up, all the people to interact. Um, this is my first con, as I mentioned. 
So this is a lot to take in as well because that's even more than a sporting event. Um, I am going to be doing some troops later this year with libraries for Star Wars Days um, and, and other public reading things. So those will be smaller events probably. Uh, and, and I think those will be a little more intimate where you can have a little more one-on-one -on -one time uh, than somebody just coming up, taking a picture, fist bumping, and moving on. Yeah. Uh, so eventually I probably will try to do a hospital or any other charitable event to that level. Um, That's so awesome. I think I'm going to enjoy them all. Yeah. I'm looking forward to doing all the trooping that I can uh, in the variety of, of the costuming community and supporting yeah. whatever events we can. Well, I think it's cool that, like, so we're at a convention and, like, you know, the vast majority of people here love Star Wars, love sci-fi, et cetera, et cetera. But it's cool that, like, you're mentioning the Wolves game or, like, appearances at hospitals or libraries because you're actually bringing Star Wars into the real world instead of, like, such a fantasy focused event you know so that's like pretty cool there so long before i knew what the 501st was just attending cons just a regular patron like my first few cons one of my favorite things was just seeing the squads of stormtroopers walk through oh, yeah. like and you just think it's group cosplay at first because i had no idea and then i told we were talking earlier that one of my favorite things is just seeing the squads of stormtroopers wander around and like you don't think much of it you're like there's stormtroopers like it's just it feels real world sometimes when you're in these environments and i just think that's fantastic um, we were curious, is there any crossover between 501st, Rebel Legion, Mando Mercs, the Droid Builders? Like? There are. There are some costumes in the costume reference libraries okay. that do cross over. Um, I believe, I, I'm still new to the garrison and to the 501st, but I believe some of the Mando stuff, the Mandalorian yeah. stuff, can be, like Boba Fett, can be 501st because he's a bad guy doing good. Right. But I believe he could also be part of the Mando Mercs. Now, I'm sure people are going to correct me in your, in your comments, in the podcast <laughs> notes. Good. Um, but yes, there is some crossover between um, joining up, um, but we all work together as a group. Okay. So when there's one event, they're not just asking for the bad guys doing good and the stormtroopers. They'll ask for the Jedis. They'll ask for the Mando Mercs. They'll ask for the droids, um, the Rebel Legion. And we'll, we'll all work together as a, as a oh, community. Nice. Even though we're separate clubs, separate groups, um, we'll, we'll, we'll work together. Right on. Very cool. Well, Nate, I appreciate you taking the time to chat. Um, I look forward to seeing uh, your speeder bike costume when you eventually get a chance yeah, to do absolutely. it on the, yeah. <laughs> on the con. So enjoy the rest of your con, and thank you for your time. Thank yeah, you guys for stopping by. Yeah, thanks so much. All right, we are here with Tom from Rosie. the 501. What was it? Tom Rosie, yeah. Tom Rosie from the 501st. Um, you have a massive documentary coming out. Well, I'm really excited about it, so to me it's massive. Um, I've heard about this for a couple years now. Um, how long has this been in the making, if you don't mind? It's about three years, and um, COVID put us back a little bit, you know, because oh, sure. of, you know, everything. But we were able to do some things online, but also COVID really gave us uh, uh, some unique opportunities to uh, rehone, and um, we, we actually ended up getting some animations done because of it, too. It, it, we were going to... We were going to put it out there. Uh, we had a date and everything, which was going to tie into a uh, local event that we have here, Joliet Star Wars Day. Okay. And then COVID, you know, once again, just just took that out of the water. So, uh, but we're kind of fortunate that it happened, and um, we we really reworked some stories, and we were able to get some certain angles and reshoots, and uh, we got it to a place where we really love it. And uh, through the screenings we've had and the film festivals we've done. Um, Everyone seems to love it too. Uh, my own mother was in tears, so nice, you nice. know that's a good compliment, I guess, right? <laughs> the last 501st documentary I saw was the Rose Bowl 
documentary okay. that they did when, when you guys escorted Lucas through the Rose Bowl and yeah. all that stuff. That was a really cool documentary. And I remember my mother-in-law going, why don't you join a group like this? And I'm like, because someone won't let me spend the money on the armor. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know. Um, how long have you been with the garrison? Uh, well, it's tattooed right here on my arm. 4-30-17 was my actual date I became a member. Uh, but it took me about a year before that. Um, just uh, getting the costume together, I was uh, wanting to get in with a TK, which is a stormtrooper, if, for some people that don't know. Stand, standard stormtrooper. Standard stormtrooper, okay. yes, exactly. I know that, but yeah. my, some of my <laughs> listeners might not. So. Right, and so uh, I was um, getting the kit from a builder, just like most people do, and it was taking forever. So I'm like, I got to get in somehow, you know, earlier. So I put a sand, uh, not a sand trooper, but a, um, a sand people, you know, Tuscan yeah, Raider yeah. together. Uh, and so um, I was able to do that. I got in through my Tuscan Raider, and uh, I wear him every once in a while. But you know, he's he's very hard to see, you know. Out. Um, but once I got my TK, uh, I was really excited, and it just, um, you know, th this is a family, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. type setting. So I was out at events all the time with it, and uh, I must have trooped. I don't know how many times. And my son is in it right now, actually. So he's. Uh, <laughs> He's grown up and uh, he's right able on. to fit into it. Right on. So yeah, we've uh, we've been able to uh, you know make it a family affair. You know? Can I ask you a stormtrooper secret? Yeah, sure. All right. Is it the under the black under? Is it just Under Armour or is it? It, like it is. It okay. really is just like an Under Armour, and there's a neck seal that goes with it. So um, you with, can block with, out that logo. Yeah. <laughs> with that in mind, uh, just consider how cold we are during the Thanksgiving Day Parade because we are literally in the streets of Chicago wearing oh, sure. nothing but underwear and plastic, you know? Sure. No, I it, it's the worst. I can imagine, yeah. <laughs> I've been a big fan of the 501st for a long time. Yeah. Um, so, like, just the charity work you guys do is awesome. Like, all that stuff. It's just really, really cool. So I really, really appreciate what you guys do. Yeah. Um, is there uh we were talking with uh, Nate just recently about crossover. He said that someone might be able to be a little more specific about it. But do you guys have crossover with uh, Rebel Legion or the Mando Mercs or like? Well, yeah. Is it, is it a costume thing, or is it some people are part of both? Or, well, you know, well, like, well, yeah. You could definitely be part of both, and there are some costumes that are uh, approvable in both cos uh, clubs, such as the Tuscan Raider, that is a both a uh, Rebel Legion and a Bible First approvable right. costume. So you can take dual, uh, you know, um, ownership in that, but um, you can definitely uh, jump between cl clubs and whatever. There's also the Mando Mercs and the R2D to Builder Club, and you know, so on and so forth. So um, you can you can be in it if you want, but you could also you don't necessarily need to be in it too. You know, right. just the the benefit of being in the club is that you have events like this and you have uh, things that come up that you can be a part of and. You get behind the scenes in a lot of different things, and you, you know, like being on stage with Word Al Yankovic, you know, you know, and being, being uh, at the White Sox game, you know, and, and, and checking out all these other things. Speaking of opportunities, were you one of the ones that got to be in The Mandalorian? No, I wasn't. Uh, okay. But you know, like those are. I heard that one. I was so excited for you guys when yeah. I heard that, but I was like, oh, of course yeah. they're gonna yeah. pull from you guys. Like, why not? You exactly. Know? Like, and those, those are actually paid gigs. Sure. So uh, Lucasfilm does have paid gigs every once in a while where they um, will invite us out to do these things, events. Like sometimes we'll be up on stage during the orchestra and um, and those types of things. But they're very specific on what they want. And so sure. uh, you have to be a certain height and you, your costume has to be of a certain quality. You know, and 
we already kind of have those standards as it is, and that's why they don't mind pulling us into these movies, you know, sure. with these situations. So uh, I'm always happy for hearing stuff like that all the time. You know, I mean, it's uh, that's so cool. I mean. We're already living out our dreams, right, right, of, right, right, right. of being plastic spacemen. How much cooler is it when we actually get to be in the franchise one way or the other, you right, know? Right. Now, I got to go down to the Disney Park last April. Yeah. Yeah, this past April. Uh, so a year ago. And uh, I was wondering, I didn't ask anybody. It was more of just, ta I was just taken in the park. But I was wondering, do you know if those are Disney employees or is there any relation? To those are Disney or? employees, okay. yes. And in fact... Um, I don't know too much about it, so I'm not I'm not going to claim to be an expert on it. But only from what I've heard is those are definitely Disney employees, and they some of them may have 501st, uh, you know, be in the club. But sure. but first and foremost, though, are Disney employees. So a lot of times when 501st members are brought into a paid gig along with Disney employees, they kind of stay separate. Sure. Yeah, uh, and, and if you can't speak to that. It's okay. I yeah, and, and, and I I don't know. I'm not a, a authority on it enough to, to speak on it that much, sure. but I but I I do know that they are employees, and it, it's a job to them, yeah. which is cool, you right. know. But um, it's a little it's a little different. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, Tom, I really oh, ask, oh, related to the movie. Um, where can we look out for? Uh, yeah, good movie. So yeah. right now uh, we've been doing the film festival circuit. We're uh, at Kevin Smith's first annual uh, film festival out in New Jersey. That's awesome. Uh, we just got back from Austin, Texas, which we won best in show there, and we're super excited about that. And we had um, we have a screening coming up in Wisconsin on May 5th. Okay. Uh, we have a few other opportunities for. Um, for film festivals, but you know the whole purpose of getting uh, into film festivals, besides networking and, and being a part of that, you know, uh, that that you know that that scene, is to get distribution for your movie. Yep. And yeah. we actually got that uh, yeah. at the first documentary through Kevin Smith's, uh, you know, film festival. So uh, we got what we wanted. It, we, we had it pretty early, and so we're we're, we're super happy about that. So our next step is, um, you know, sitting down with them. Uh, we wanted to do this Austin, Texas film festival, um, but we're gonna figure out the logistics. We're, we are gonna be streaming. Uh, there's a couple different platforms we're thinking about doing, like Netflix and HBO, and what, yeah. it depends on the package deal we kind of go with. But there's also gonna be uh, physical DVDs, which is something I think everyone wants, especially at a Star Wars collector. Yeah, you yeah. Know, they, yeah, they, yeah we, I know. We want to collect you know, anything Star Wars, especially if it's something obscure, you know? Yeah. And uh, I, I, I just hope that this movie uh, is, um, it, it, this was made not for the Garrison member. Uh, or even the, the Star Wars fan, because you don't need to know Star Wars to to watch this movie. It's it's about a group of people that use Star Wars and use this platform and this umbrella to give back to the community, and that's really what the story's about. Uh, how people use their fandom to give back to different organizations and, and individual families, and that's what we did, and that's what we talk about in the movie, and I think that's why it resonates with a lot of people. Nice, fantastic. I think that's the sign of a of a good documentary, to be honest. But uh, and I'm half asking for myself and half for the listeners. But where can we follow you on social media? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're we're on Instagram uh, behind the bucket uh, doc, okay, uh, uh, Facebook behind the bucket, uh, Twitter behind the bucket. There's even a website. But um, we we post uh, things as they happen, um, and um, that's the best way to find out when and where we're gonna, you know have uh, the movies out and where where they can find it so uh same thing with any screenings we have 
But um, yeah, we're, we're, we're super excited to let people know about what we do and why we do it. Nice. Great. Well, Tom, I appreciate it. Thank yeah, you for absolutely. your time. Yeah. Uh, I hope you enjoy the rest of your con. Yeah. yeah thank thank you. you. All right. So, yeah, I really look forward to that documentary. Um, a few Star Wars documentaries, especially the independent ones that I've seen, like um, uh, The Force Among Us. That was a great one. Um, the 501st documentary. Um, if you own the Star Wars Blu-rays. And when I say own the Star Wars Blu-rays, I'm talking about when they first released on Blu-ray. There was a big collector set with a bunch of documentary stuff that was has never been released. There's a documentary on there about the 501st, um, and it was a really cool documentary. It's one of the first times I really got to like know who they were and why and all that stuff. Um, so if you get a chance to check that out, it's pretty sweet. But Under the Bucket looks, I just, I'm excited for it. Absolutely. Um, but like I said, it was basically Star Wars Day because at the con we had coming up, we had the 15th anniversary of the Clone Wars panel um, coming up later that evening. It was like the last thing Peter and I were doing for the night. It was like the last panel of the day on the main stage um, featuring Ashley Eckstein, Ahsoka Tano, Matt Lanter, Anakin Skywalker, uh, James Arnold Taylor, Obi-Wan Kenobi, and Sam Witwer, who voices Darth Maul. Um, this was awesome. There tends to be um, a special electricity when it comes to Star Wars um, fandom when it's in person. When you're on the internet, Star Wars fandom can be pretty toxic. And that's just the nature of the internet. That's how that is. But when you get Star Wars fans in a room... The one thing that they can agree on is that Star Wars is awesome. You know what right. I mean? And that's yeah. the thing. It's like you can talk about how sometimes the fandom's toxic, but when you get us in a room, all we all we care about is Star Wars. It's all we agree about, agree on. It's when you think to yourself, man, I need a break from the Star Wars toxic, toxic fan base. You get in a room with them and you're like, nope, I love Star Wars. I don't know what, what I would what I was thinking. I don't need a break. <laughs> you know, Um and you just felt that electricity in that room, and it was awesome. Um, Absolutely. They they brought out everybody on stage. Um, like I said, Ashley Eckstein, James Arnold Taylor, Matt Lanter, Sam Witwer. You had these iconic voice actors up there talking about the show that they've been they were on 15 years ago. There's some stories that you know, and I keep pretty close knit with like some of those. Um, I try and listen to a bunch of podcasts and read interviews and, you know, I got really, really into voice acting very heavily because of Star Wars, the Clone Wars. Um, I started really looking into like one, how you do it, how do you get in it? Not that I was necessarily trying to start a career, but I was really curious about the process yeah. and they, and because they were going on podcasts like Rebel Force Radio and other stuff talking about the craft and how it works and the session, the recording sessions and all that stuff it made it kind of like accessible to learn about that part of the industry. And I became very fascinated with it. So I started looking at other stuff like, Oh, he did the voice of that. Cool. I'm going to go watch that just to see the performance and stuff. Like I would watch animated <laughs> things that I never thought I would do because yeah. these actors were a part of things. Um, so it was just great to do that. And then, you know, James Arnold Taylor, him, him and Sam Witwer, they were all about doing the voices, whether it be Obi-Wan, Plo Koon, James Arnold Taylor went and did like some Marty McFly and uh, <laughs> um, 
Doc Brown and Christopher Walken yeah. stuff, and then Sam Witwer was like dropping Darth Maul lines here and there, which was awesome, you know. So. Yeah, I'm I'm glad that you pointed that out because uh, the previous on the previous episode, our audience would have heard the uh, X Men um, animated series cast doing a panel, and uh, one thing that really surprised me about that panel was that that cast for the most part was asked to read the lines straight, like don't do any crazy cartoon voices, read them as yourself, like use your own voice, and that was kind of a cool insight into that show because even though it's a zany saturday morning cartoon it really feels real and there's a lot of weight to what happens on that show and i think that's really interesting that the the actors were portraying these characters without using like these zany punched up cartoon voices but this panel on the other hand i think really encompassed the magic of seeing a voice actor panel at a convention like this because you had drew you mentioned james arnold taylor and he didn't just like you mentioned that he went into like he did marty mcfly he did a lot of different voices but there is <laughs> there is a moment of this panel and everybody will find out but there's a moment of magic where he does like a monologue where he does five or six different voices and it starts with star wars voices but then it goes into different celebrity impressions and it is one of the most impressive like bits of just audio i've ever heard so that was awesome but relating it back to star wars drew i really felt the magic in this panel and i think while we were sitting in the audience before the panel started you asked me if i had been to a star wars panel and i was like I think I had, and I kind of racked my brain. I And I remembered at some old Comic-Con, I've been to a Ray Park panel, for example. Like, I've been to a Ray Park Q&A, and I might have been to some other Star Wars-adjacent stuff. But this, to me, felt like the first big official Star Wars panel that I had been to. And for me, Star Wars is one of those, it's one of those, like, blossoming bits of like my nerd journey where it's like one of my first nerdy sci-fi pop culture loves that really set me on a path to become interested in comic books and science fiction and uh, monster movies and all the stuff that I kind of, uh, you know, got interested towards throughout my life. But I feel like Star Wars is kind of a blossoming point. And I feel like being in that room you could feel the passion of everybody and like toxic fandom online aside, like any negative voices aside, you could really feel the passion and the love for just Star Wars in general in that room. And it's kind of put me in more of a Star Wars mood since then. Like I was really excited to watch like the new episode of the Mandalorian this week and stuff. So it was awesome. Um, awesome all around, but I feel like I'm rambling a little bit, but it was just a great panel. So there you go. <laughs> it's all good. Um, I'm going to let the panel speak for itself, but I'm going to say this. The part that Peter mentioned of James Arnold Taylor um, kind of doing some extra voices and stuff. Um, the There's some cheers when he starts doing that. So um, if any of the audio drowns out some of the dialogue, I apologize. But that's because the audience got really excited when he started doing the voices. <laughs> so... Um, I right can't on. really do. I couldn't really do much about that, but 
Um, so yeah, um, enjoy. Here's the 15th anniversary of the Clone Wars panel. Can we stand? Can we see them all? Hi! Hell yeah! Hey. 
where you, you know, when you got that call, I know you're a huge nerd, uh, or nerd, as I would, I, was, I would say it. So where were you when you got that call? How did you feel? I, where was I specifically? I was, I was driving to Drew Struzan's house, funny enough. Star Wars connection there. Oh, yeah, Drew Struzan was driving over to his house. And then there was like, you know, phone call. And I had been warned that there was a call coming from Lucasfilm. And you know, you don't know what that means. Like you're in trouble, Sam, or something. And so I saw the call, you know, Dave Filoni calling for you, sir, because it was in 1947. <laughs> a long time ago, it was 15 years ago, guys. Hello, Sam, putting you through Dave Filoni now, Sam. And uh, that was a voice actor thing that we we're doing here. That was amazing. Um, and so he calls me up, I pull over the car, <laughs> and I'm waiting. And then he jumps on and he's like, okay, I'm just gonna cut to it. I need Darth Maul, can you do it? <laughs> and it was not, that was exactly how he said it too. It just it wasted no time. And I'm just like, <laughs> you know. And he was saying, can you do it? Not like, do you wanna do it? Doing it, it was more like, be straight with me. Can you do it? Because we're screwed if we do this wrong. So yes or no. Don't don't lie to me. You're my friend. Can you do it? And I was like, well, Sith lie all the time. Uh, yeah, I can do that. No problem. No problem. Thinking to myself, I'm like, I'm not even really a voice actor. I don't know. I'm not as good as these guys. I don't want to do. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. Yeah, I can do it, Dave. No problem. No problem. And that's what it was. Because uh, James and Matt, like you know, you were playing characters already established. So how did you go in approaching that as as creatives and storytellers? Absolutely. 
so I thought, well, we have a similar tone. So if I give myself a British accent, and it's him doing Alec Guinness doing Obi-Wan Kenobi, so it's James Arnold Taylor doing Neil McGregor doing Alec Guinness doing Obi-Wan Kenobi. Something like that. And for some reason, they bought Did you feel like a natural affinity with her from the beginning, or was it something that you grew into? Well, it, it was actually very natural from the beginning because I was cast to literally be myself. Um, I've, I've told this story a couple times, so for, forgive me if y'all have heard it, but um, for those that don't, it's, it's interesting because I did things that I would normally never do, and that ended up getting me the part. Because didn't know what he wanted for Ahsoka. So um, originally, he thought that he wanted her to have an Icelandic accent. And specifically, which he didn't tell us, you didn't know this? No. Yeah. This is like the only Star Wars stuff Sam doesn't know. I know. Okay, well then I gotta tell the story because do I, do I, do I, I feel like you no, don't hear this. So um, originally I went in to audition for Padme and I sounded nothing like Padme. And I almost left the audition, um, and I called my agent, I went out to my car, and he was like, no, you need to need to go back in there because you never know what could happen. Because Ahsoka was so top secret that they weren't even like advertising her. So I go in, I read the first line of Padme, and Dave Filoni stops me, and he's like, no, you sound too young to be Padme. But then they walk in these, these lines for this new character that nobody knew about, and they said, but there's this 14-year-old girl that we think
work all together and you weren't always isolated in like a booth? Yeah, we did it like a radio play. A lot of people ask, you know, some cartoons you're alone in the studio. All video games primarily are alone. But the show, the Clone Wars, we were always together in the studio in a, in a half round, in a half circle. And we read it like an old time radio play. And it was the, the best thing in the world because we got to play off of each other. We got to play off each other. We got to play off each other. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's 
decided to keep me around, I think that was good. <laughs> See, both of you, that's it. You've got to be sassy with them. Sassy. Yeah. Sam 
has changed so much because Star Wars fans for generations now have been some of the best fans, period, the end, for anything. So seriously, from the bottom of our hearts, thank you for just being some of the best fans and completely changing our lives. So, um, and you, you deserve a round of applause for being just an incredible fan base. Um,
which you've not done yet, what would it be? Let's start at the other end. Let's go to Sam. I can never answer this question because I already feel like I've gotten to do so much. I almost feel like, for me, um, it would almost be ungrateful to be like, and now I want this. Give it to me. You know, like, I don't know. Because I just feel like I've, I've gotten so much wonderful opportunity to do so much. So that's, Maybe that's be a good guy for once. No, no, uh, like the bad guy. <laughs> just a worse guy, really. Can we come up with a worse guy than the guys that I've already played? The answer is yes. <laughs> I, I just feel very thankful, and and whenever they ask me to do stuff, um, I'm happy to turn up and, and uh, do it. You know, even if they need me to very simply ask someone, "Are you a part of it? You a part of it? Why are you running?" Tourists don't run. <laughs> I think I, I would love to see. I love to see Vader when he like first became Vader, just kind of like sussing out the new digs at Mustafar. You know, just like what, what was that like? <laughs> Very haunted here. <laughs> must wash his underwear now. It's laundry day.
that you love, that's the force. My character's uh, version of the force is the force is mine. <laughs> I think I'm still trying to figure that out. I don't know if Anakin, like, he's supposed to bring balance to the force. I still don't really know what that means. Is it him? Is it his lineage? Like, what's balance? I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> Tell me. I, I feel as though, you know, Obi-Wan's a true believer. He's probably the most of the true believers of any Jedi. And so I try to be the same way, you know, to just really do your best, be as kind as you can, but stick to the rules. Stick to the rules. <laughs> You're all right. Well, uh, this is a great question. I actually believe that Ahsoka like, kind of represents the light side of the I think she's all that is good and all that is light and all that is hope. And I don't know what the connection is, but there's clearly a connection with the daughter um, because the daughter gave up her life for Ahsoka. And then Morai is the same colors as the daughter. And this is just me as a fan speaking. I have no inside information. But there's a connection there that hasn't been explained yet. Yeah, and, and now that we're talking about that, how come Morai's flying around? Where's the sun? I mean, if Morai's flying around, then where's the sun? I think he's the gum on the top and the bottom of your keel. He's everywhere. Thank you for your Thank question. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Yeah. Hello, friend. What's your name? What's your question? Hi, my name is Nick. I'm from the West. The time is faster here, so just ignore me. Um, one is the cube um, wrestling craze, which I never thought I'd ever be here, but from the small town I grew up with, watching Clone Wars when I was very young, you know, eight, eight years old, growing up. Still being on, I didn't believe it when it, when it first came back. And so, to not start off on a sour note, but I mean, it's still one of my favorite parts of the prequel era is the Eight Sisters era. How did. That's odd. <laughs> how did. Purity! Sound and 
just like Ahsoka walks away and I was all by myself. And so it was kind of like art imitating life. I was like, well, this is Clone Wars and it's done. All right. Then she sat in traffic on the 405. I did. <laughs> Actually, you know what I did? I Because I kind of had a, a, a ritual where at, at the, after we recorded episodes, I went to In-N-Out Burger and I legitimately went to In-N-Out Burger and um, got it to go. I sat in my car and I ate it by myself and I just sobbed like into my In-N-Out Burger. I, I don't want to interrupt that emotional story, but you do have to tell very quickly yeah, the story yeah. about In-N-Out and us going over there. And then on our way here. And then here. Yeah, no, it's kind of crazy. So um, so start with the In-N-Out story that you got to tell here, which you've heard the story, right? Yeah. Tell me more. Okay. <laughs> None of us wanted to be at because we didn't. Our show was canceled, so we were supposed to have three more seasons after this. And um, so we all fly up to San Francisco, and um, the party was like two hours. It was not a fun party at all. And then we were all still hungry afterwards, so we went to In-N-Out Burger, and it was just like the cast members that were there, and Dave Filoni, and we all ordered, and Dave was being a really nice guy, and he was like, "Hey, I'll pick up the check." So it was just one order. And um, he paid, and they give you your receipt, and they tell you your order number, and as a cast for the Clone Wars, we were Order 66. Oh. And so life imitates art. On our way here, there's a little golf cart that came and picked us up. Just now. And the cart was 66. <laughs> so we didn't know where they were bringing us. <laughs> Here. I'm behind all of it. <laughs> Do you guys think that, like, because we know that, that burger joints like Dex's Diner exists in Star Wars, and we know that clones sometimes go out and socialize and stuff like that. Do you ever think that, like, you know, a couple clones are like, oh, don't worry, brother, I'll pick this up for you. It's on me. Don't worry. Order 60. <laughs> what was going on, brother? Good soldiers follow orders. <laughs> Um, go for it. I've never been asked this question before. 
this game. Have you written this down? One of the fans yesterday, if you're here, say, hey, hey, he gave me this. There, yes. And it's not a Disney thing, but it's to the tune of the Major General song from the Pirates of Penzance. <laughs> and he wrote the whole thing out. I'm just gonna do one verse, I'll be quick. I am the very model of a modern Jane, modern Jedi general. I'm information both in Coruscanti and Republican. I know the Supreme Chancellors and quote their major policies from taxes in the outer rim to all the rent economy. <laughs>
Sidious is. He, that, it, he doesn't know exactly what his plan is, but he knows pieces of the plan. But he knows the guy's name. And he knows his address. So the Jedi are like, who's the Sith Lord? And he's like, well, I could tell you. And so then finally, when things are getting bad enough, he's like, you know what? It's time. I'm gonna, I gotta rethink keeping that secret. Um, Ahsoka, you wanna join up? I'll tell you who he is. And she's like, no. <laughs> and then the galaxy Your falls apart. Is flawed. Yeah. I mean, that's one way of looking at it, but I just kind of feel like it could have. Star Wars could have had a really happy ending right there. <laughs> Right there, if only she would just kill her older brother. But not a big deal. You know? So, yeah, but in terms of the rule of two, these, these folks don't work well together. They just don't. You, if you want... If you want to create a successful Sith Empire, you must always observe the rule of two. Can we just have a round of applause for this lovely person here? You look so good. 
is my family now. After all these years, so 17 years. My daughter was is just now 18, and she's here. She's been helping out at my table, and her whole life she's grown up with, you know, these people as her family. And I just, I every moment I get on a microphone with all of them is the best part of Star Wars to me. Specifically, are you? Do you mean like a anything in general, or on screen, like a moment in Star Wars? I'll leave it to anything in general. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. After my answer, leave it to anything yeah. in general. <laughs> Otherwise, all oh, and then it was. Yeah. Well, you, I'm Star Wars. you didn't play correctly. <laughs> um, man, I, I, I. This might like sound cliche, but I mean, we're sitting right here, 17 years after we started this, and. And we love it, and, and you guys love it enough to come talk about Star Wars and Clone Wars. And I just, I mean, just that, in, in a general sense, like how much these characters and these stories just mean to individuals, and how much it means to all of us. Like, I know we gotta go, but I, I feel like Star Wars fandom to me now is like family. And I, I see people driving on the road with a Star Wars bumper sticker, and like, I wanna talk to them. Because I want to know what they think, and I just—it feels—it feels amazing to be a part of something, and I don't even mean making Star Wars, but just be a part of a fandom that just loves something so much. And I feel like like all of us in this room have a common bond over that, and that's—that's that's the coolest part to me. Thank you, Matt. Uh, oh, and we've got a special surprise before we finish asking oh, the question. It's Matt's birthday. Did oh, you know that? We have a cake. Yeah.
uh, continue this, but we go way back. We go, we go way back to Disney's uh, Star Wars Weekends. Who's been to Star Wars Weekends? Yes. Well, there's a restaurant at Disney where if you ask for ketchup, then everyone in the entire restaurant has to bring you their bottle of ketchup, and you have like 20 bottles of ketchup on the table. Well, my husband and I knew all about this, but Matt and his wife Angela did not. And so every single time somebody asked for ketchup, we made them put them on their table. And so they ate dinner the whole time with like 20 bottles of ketchup. Mounds of ketchup. Yes. So therein started the ketchup wars. And so what? This is now 14, 15 years later. Yes. And, and it's somehow you mobilize your fans <laughs> to like deliver ketchup to my table. Team Tono. This is over 40 packets of ketchup, you know, because there's more for good luck. <laughs> Guys, we're going to do a group selfie on stage now. Yeah. Guys, you are all involved as well. So let's do it. So, yeah, Star Wars. Awesome. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. No, I, God, I love it. I, I love being in a room with, like, it's just those people walk out and you're just like, yes, this is fantastic. Um, I will <laughs> well, say, if you really want to see some really impressive James Arnold Taylor voice work, because in my opinion, he's probably one of the best voice actors that that show had. Um, him, D. Bradley Baker, and Corey Burton, and then I'm going to throw in Stephen Stanton. Those are the four that I think are the top voice actors for uh, that series. But James Arnold Taylor specifically, if you go into YouTube and type in James Arnold Taylor one-man show, um, he did a one-man show down in Disney for Star Wars Weekends, and which they mentioned in the panel. So if you go and you look that up, it's about a 30-minute one-man show. First off, it's incredible, but every voice you hear from the announcer announcing James Arnold Taylor to the stage all the way to the end of the show, everything you hear is James Arnold Taylor. And it's nice. incredibly, it's incredibly, uh, but he talks about the craft of voice acting. He talks about auditioning for voice acting. He talks about all this stuff. It's a very positive, you can do it, live your dream kind of a show. Um, but he's got this bit where he talks about having to do, read things in different voices for auditions. And he's got one bit, and I'm going to tell you, you got to watch it just for this. He reads stereo instructions in the voice of Gandalf from Lord of the Rings. And it's nice. fantastic. <laughs> so it's like setting up your fight, your sound system stereo as Gandalf. It's fantastic. Um, but no, he, gets a, he does some really cool thing at the end where he goes from voice to voice to voice to voice to voice. And if you're at all confused as to what voice you're hearing, they put a, like a bubble next to him so you can see what voice he's doing at what time. It's a really well done uh, uh, show. So, yeah, check that out. Um, okay, this brings us to... Day three, Sunday. Uh, Peter, you did not come with me to this, so I'm going to kind of take the lead on this one. Um, you, <laughs> right on. <laughs> you didn't come with me to this one. Uh, my son uh, came with me to wander around the con, and I told him, I said, you know, I know you want to go to the floor and explore and shop and look at cool stuff, but you have to go do this thing with me real quick in the morning because we're going to go see Captain America in person and go to the Chris Evans panel. Yeah. Um, and he's like, okay. So I made him get up stupid early. We drove in earlier than you and I did. We got, we were like, maybe we were there before they opened the security gates. So we were like 10 people in line before they opened the security gates. So then we were like 
10 people in line at the main gate. And then we rushed up and got really good seats for the Chris Evans panel. That's awesome. <laughs> so he had to wait like an hour. Then he had to wait like another hour. Then we got in the Chris Evans panel and we had to wait like an hour and a half. And then the Chris Evans panel. <laughs> so he's you were like, like you were like some of the first Avengers that day, right. if you will. <laughs> well, and this was cool because normally when you go to panels like that, they have like a waiting area where everyone kind of lines up and then they let everyone go in and sit down. Well, they just had the door open. You didn't have to wait. They let you all go in. Nice. So we just got to go sit in the room. And then it was like an hour and a half of like <laughs> the guy warming up the crowd and getting us all excited and trying to kill us. <laughs> That's a little bit of whoever was working the door was like, it's Sunday. Who gives a crap? You can just walk in. <laughs> I'm not going to stop right. you. <laughs> well, and they all and they all apparently and we got to do this next year. We actually are going to have to go to a hotel room for the Saturday night because we um, apparently that party went to like one o'clock in the morning. That free Dude, party, that free party afterwards went to like one o'clock in the morning. So I am so down. One of the best one getting a hotel and like staying a weekend at a convention is one of the most fun things. So I am totally down with that. Yeah. Um, it, it might be hard to uh, wake up super early on Sunday morning, but I'm down with that, too. So, yeah, uh, get enough caffeine in you and, uh, well, you know, we'll stay hydrated and you those. should be we'll good, good that, to go. <laughs> We'll worry about that for the early morning <laughs> panels that we have to rush to. But absolutely. That being said, the Chris Evans panel, um, uh, it was it was short. It was only half an hour, um, which kind of struck me as odd. I was wow. like, okay, they're going to be opening up to questions here in a minute. And I kind of looked around. I was like, they don't have mics set up. So it was mm -hmm. just the moderator talking to Chris Evans. And then every now and then if someone yelled something from the crowd, he's like, what's that? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's funny. Whatever. It looked like kind of <laughs> you know, nice. And one of those things, he was really charming, um, just like you expect him to be. But it was almost like it was kind of a laid back, kind of a chill. Hey, it's Sunday morning. Let's just sit and talk and talk about the movies and talk about this, that and the other thing. Um, since the panel, uh, one of the things that got brought up was, would you ever return to Captain America? And. He does address that issue, but I'm, I'm going to cautiously say this. Pay attention to his answer in the interview because he basically says, yes, I would be willing to do it. I think there's more Steve Rogers story to tell, but not yet. OK, it's very clear what he says. However, since C2E2, I have seen stories all over the Internet that says, Chris Evans wants to return to Captain America. Chris Evans confirms he's returning as Captain America. Chris Evans says, I'm like, it's completely taken out of context. He's not ready to return, but he definitely sees that there's more stories to tell, which is great, but he's not there yet. So just chill out, guys. That's hilarious. <laughs> you know? And that's got to be part of the it's got to be part of the plan. And would he do it? It sounds like he would, pending on certain circumstances, you know, Um <laughs> That's both hilarious and not surprising at all. So that's yeah, awesome. Yeah. Well, like I said, um, it was a good panel. It was good to hear him talk. Um, he talked about Scott Pilgrim a little bit because of the big Scott Pilgrim news. Yeah. Um, he expounds on it a little bit. So I'm going to let him do the talking on that one. Um, and when I say Scott Pilgrim news, Netflix is doing an anime for Scott Pilgrim and the whole cast is coming back. So, yes. Awesome. Really excited for that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, Chris Evans just addresses that. He also talks about some other projects he's got coming, which is cool. So without further ado, I will shut up and let you. Here's Chris Evans.
Success. I've seen actors veer out of their lane and start doing things they shouldn't. And Marvel had proven themselves enough to the point where you're like, you know what, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna make waves. And and, and honestly, anytime they pitch me things, you know, I think around Civil War. It was Feige coming in the trailer. When was that? Was that on Ultron? It, you know, just saying, I think we're gonna do Civil War. You said, okay, <laughs> whatever you think, man, I'm in. Um, but it got to Infinity Wars and, and Endgame. Russo's were the ones kind of pitching the ideas, and honestly, everything they ever pitched sounded good to me, so I, I never really felt the need to be like, ah, let me give you some notes, fellas. <laughs> you know, I, I was always like, yeah, hey, shit, keep doing it. <laughs> and if given the opportunity to go back, uh, would you? To go back to the role? Or do you, to or do to you, the role? Or do you think the story has been told? Um, God, because look, I, I, I love that role deeply, it means so much to me, and, and I mean, do I think there's more Steve Rogers stories to tell? Sure, but, but at the same time, I'm, um, I'm very, very precious with what I've become, you know, it's like this little shiny thing that I have that I love so much, and I just don't wanna mess up in any way, and uh, I was a part of something that was so special for a really special period of time, and in a way, it really landed so well, and you know, I, I don't know, it, it's, as much as I'm connected to that role and love telling those stories and working with those people, it, it doesn't quite feel right right now. And you have, outside of Captain America, you have actually portrayed quite a few comic book characters, the Fantastic Four, And, and there's a, 
there's a starting point for the, you know, films are this, you have all these creative people coming together trying to operate on the same intangible idea. Comics give everyone a, a common ground to kind of say, we've all seen this, we all know how we felt when we read it, when we saw it, and that, that's the starting point. And that, that's a really, it's an incredible help when you're making a film, not to mention the incredible built-in fan base, you know. <laughs> truly, I mean, honestly, it's, it's, it's the most satisfying thing to know that you're working so hard that people are gonna see it. <laughs> people are actually gonna go. At the same time, that's also one of the more daunting aspects because you know that people are connected to the material in a very specific way and you wanna make sure you honor that. But I guess um, I guess comics just have all the right ingredients for, for a good film. We think we'll agree to that. <laughs> trailer recently came out for your movie, Ghosted. Now, it, it looks like part rom-com, part action, part thriller, a part adventure. It looks great. Like, can you maybe talk about, uh, you know, kind of what it was like to play a role that kind of does a little bit of everything and just like the experience of that project? Sure. Yeah, that, that, that type of movie is very much up my alley. Uh, recent one, a couple of writers who did Deadpool, they're fantastic. They pitched me the idea. And I was like, I love it, you know what I mean? It, it felt to me like, uh, felt like a 90s movie. It felt like something that is just fun and you know, if it's done well, it's very rewatchable. Good hangover movie. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I don't know if I see those enough these days. You know, we've entered a little bit of like a, not like a cynical, audiences have seen a lot, you know what I mean? And it's, it's you know, we, they're, they're very high expectations. And sometimes movies like that are just if they're, if they're done well, anyway, I, I really liked it. And, and the role itself was really attractive too, just because I got to be uh, so incapable. <laughs> he's, uh, he's the audience. It's always fun playing the eyes of the audience. Uh, and he's just, uh, you know, the, the, the more panicked I, I was, the more, uh, you know, uh, the more I go to pieces, not only the funnier it is, but the more connectivity we have with people watching, because that's probably what most of us in here would do. Certainly what I would do in circumstances like that. So uh, yeah, plus getting to work with Anna again. I was about to say, yeah. <laughs> about to say, how was it working with uh, Anna again? She's fantastic. This, I mean, we've, uh, we've done a few things together now, and she's just, she's great. She throws herself into everything completely. Uh, the first action sequence we had, she was doing things that were on like Black Widow level, like truly unbelievable stunt work. <laughs> You've been doing your stunt training. She, she really went for it. I mean, we all saw that in Bond, too. She was, she was so good at Bond. <laughs> she was so good, so charming, so effortlessly cool. Um, so yeah, that, that was really fun. And you've also been able to recently voice a very classic Disney character. Not too
which was great, terrifying, and all those things. But um, you know, when we went, when I first went to Pixar to get pitched the movie, they, they showed me in a room and they showed me um, a really rough uh, sketch, uh, this really rough animation where they have uh, scratch recording, or they, they get another actor to come in and do the lines, and they have temp score and all this temp special effects sound, and they showed this one sequence. Um, but it's all those like hand-drawn, really, really rough still frame animation. And I'm an animation nut. Uh, so I've seen dozens of you know, the makings of all these other animated films. So to be sitting in a room and seeing that type of presentation, but it's for me, <laughs> you know, you kind of, I mean, it's like the first time I went on a movie set. I've watched a million, you know, my upbringing,
I'm blessed to do what I do, but unfortunately what I do has also given me a little bit of freedom. <laughs> and, and, and the truth is, more than anything else, what I like is just time with my family, and you know, I feel very regular for I don't live in Hollywood. Or, uh, It's, it's an exciting business and it's great and it's wonderful, but I, to, to be someone that is constantly, you know, to finish this. Last year I did three movies, never again. It's too much, it's too much. Just from job to job to job, it's just, you know, you really gotta, um, not that I don't love it, I don't wanna diminish like my passion for it, but at the same time, um, you know, my, my, what do you wanna call it? You don't wanna call it mental health because that almost sounds like the industry's not good for you, I love it. But at the same time, like the, the stillness away from it, the personal time I take with friends and family is just as important to me. So in a really serpentine answer, I don't know if I have the capacity or the bandwidth to be someone who's constantly producing like a hundred balls in the air. It's just not my nature.
I was, I felt young, I felt like the older, cooler kids liked Christmas movies, so I was always like, oh, well, like that's, that's for grown-ups, you know what I mean? That's the Christmas movie <laughs> cool kids like. So I have a real soft spot in my heart for, for uh, Christmas movie as well. A Christmas Vacation. Christmas movie. Classic. <laughs> now, my next question. Very, very important. You're a dog dad. <laughs> and I think we all adore Dodger content. It's gonna be tough. I mean, well, like I said, I did three movies last year, but I, you know, in, in Ghosted, that outfit isn't terribly exciting. Um, <laughs> Pain hustlers, I just wear suits all day. I don't think I don't think I can squeeze Dodger in that. In in Red One, Red One's kind of cool. Red One's one of those uh, one one outfit movies. You know what I mean? The whole thing happens in one day, so you're just wearing. And I have this pretty cool leather jacket. Maybe I could get a shrunken leather jacket. Maybe I could get a doggy leather jacket. That'd be so cute. Yeah. yeah, that's the next one. He hates it, though. <laughs> you guys, come on, you guys do have dogs. You put your dog in an outfit. He just. He's just frozen, right? I get a hold of New York strip steak and be like, Dodger, come here. And he's like, <laughs> frozen, frozen. from our Twitter account. So thank you to everybody who participated and submitted a question on Twitter. So let's go to our first fan question here. It'd be from Eileen Phillippe. If you could remake your favorite movie, what would it be and what character would you play? That's a good question. All right. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you gotta put a banana in your butt. <laughs> What's my favorite? What, what would I? Sorry, I guess. Yeah, yeah, no. If you, could, <laughs> if you could remake your favorite movie, what would right. be? Also, so I wonder, is it just like a, a favorite? Is it like maybe just your favorite movie in general? And what so kind of character would that be? Because look, our favorite movies are our favorite movies because we don't want. I don't want to see them remade. You know, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want anyone to remake Pulp Fiction. Well, well, hold on. <laughs> Because I do think there are some movies that are almost ripe for a uh, kind of reinvention for a younger generation. I'll be the first to admit when I heard they were remaking Jumanji, being like, how dare you? And then, <laughs> and then it was great. They're like, ah, okay, that's actually, I guess, okay, Chris, relax. Uh, you know, but like I said, you're not remaking Pulp Fiction. Um, I don't know, I mean, I guess, I mean, I really like Little Shop of Horrors. <laughs> sometimes there's room to, to reinvent and reintroduce to younger generations. 
I'm curious though, what character in Clue? <laughs> God, I don't know. I don't think I'm good enough to play any of them. Maybe just me.
We're doing a cartoon. You guys in? And everybody was like, sure, yeah, no problem. Not, not even a question, like not even a hesitation. Like it, it, there was truly, uh, everyone jumped in without a thought. So excited to do that. But, but no, in terms of have I met anyone like that? No. Um, we, who did we, I did not want to disparage anybody, but you know, when, when I first met Andrew, when, when, I, when I met Edgar Wright, we, he did reference Steven Seagal, and he was like, you know, someone who's just probably relatively consistent in the roles he plays, and you know, maybe even be that same way offset, too. <laughs> we, we, we watched a few Seagal movies and had a good laugh, and so that, that, was, the, that was the offset. No, no, but since then I have not met anyone who fits that role. So that was the Chris Evans panel. Um, it was a lot of fun. It was great. Um, I would love to see it again. Got some great pictures because I was close enough to get some decent pictures of Chris Evans. Just, you know, so it like because sometimes when you're in those panel rooms, you can be pretty far away. Um, but yeah. yeah, I got I got some really decent seats. Um, so after Chris Evans, just in terms of things, I wandered the floor with my son, um, showing him some cool stuff, checking things out. Um, he is a big fan of Sword Art Online. And if there's one thing we learned about um, buying and shopping at the panel, if you're not purchasing comic books or artwork, I think the most popular thing to purchase was swords and weapons. Um, I say that because they have they have the sword booth where they're selling the cosplay weapons and stuff. Um, so he bought the two swords from the two the two main swords from uh, Sword Art Online, the Elucidator and the Dark Dark Repulsor. If you know the show. Uh, those two swords specifically. And then he was all excited. He's got his swords wandering around doing a thing. And he's like, dad, you got to buy a sword. You got to buy a sword. I'm like, I don't know, man, they're kind of expensive. He's like, no dude, you got to buy a sword. So my son is great at peer pressure. And <laughs> so, <laughs> so I ended up buying clouds, buster sword and they're proudly displayed on the wall already, already hanging up behind me. Uh, and they look great. Uh, Peter, I'll send you a picture. Maybe I'll post it on the Instagram. Or whatever. Nice. Right next to the, it's right next to our Captain America shield and Keyblade, but uh, right on. Yeah, I will get a picture of this. It looks great. <laughs> so. We got a little bit of Final Fantasy, a little bit of Disney, a little bit of uh, <laughs> Disney. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome though. Yeah, 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 it's great. Um, but yeah, so him and I had a lot of fun, and eventually he's like, Dad, I'm starting to get bored, and. I'm like, that's okay, because at some point, I'm like, I figured he was or going to get tired because I woke him up stupid early to go. Um, but we probably left maybe about half an hour before the floor closed anyway, so it's not like we really missed out on too much later. Uh, maybe some last-minute deals, if you will. Um, but right ultimately, we had a good time. Um, I hope you, as listeners, enjoyed the audio. Um, as far as Peter and I were concerned, no fan left behind. Let's go get some audio, bring it to you guys, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, I don't really have anything else to add other than we hope to be back next year. So C2E2, if you're listening, we hope you'll have us again next year. Um, and, uh, yeah, we look forward to more cons. So absolutely. It
it was it was just an awesome weekend, an awesome experience, and I'm excited for the next con, really. So <laughs> let's, yeah, let's hope we can line right. some more up. <laughs> so, yeah, for right now, we're going to close this one out. We'll toss this one in the can, and we will be back next week, our normally scheduled time, um, with a normal episode, and we will be discussing our top five list. Peter, this yes. is the show you have to tell us what our top five list is for the week. So what are we doing next week? Right. Well, we just went to this massive, huge comic comic book convention, and I kind of wanted to stay in that mode a little bit more. I still wanted to stay in that super heroic, super powered mode. And that's why I want to talk about our top five favorite superpowers specifically. I don't think we've ever talked about this, and it's kind of mind blowing that we haven't focused on that. But I thought it would be fun to talk about our top five favorite superpowers. And Drew, I've I scrolled through our list of episodes and I didn't see this. So correct me if I'm wrong, but we haven't done that specific discussion yet have we i don't believe we have and it seems like such a shoe in like early episode sort of thing so i think this would be fun and you can talk about your favorite powers and maybe the characters that have powers or have those powers or maybe the top five favorite superpowers you wish you had there's a million ways you can look at this but i think that's just going to be a really fun uh discussion to have you know now, I got to ask, though, are these powers that we wish we had or powers that um, we just think are awesome? <laughs> I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's anything goes with this. So <laughs> approach it as you will. OK, fair enough. <laughs> all right, everybody. For the top five report. Um, yeah. Do us all a favor. Check out our website, top5report.com. There you'll find links to all of our social media, Twitter and Facebook, along with the link to our email, top5report at gmail.com. You can hit us up on the email, social media, either way it works. We are on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Stitcher, Apple, I'm sorry, Audible. iHeartRadio? I didn't mention iHeartRadio, yeah. (laughs) Okay, fair Um, enough. (laughs) You can subscribe to us in those places. If you do, you will not miss a single episode. You can also leave us a review. We love those five stars. But we understand criticism because it helps us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. You can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Peter, what about you? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Ninja Pierre. And that's where I will be wondering why sitcom characters worry so much when they book two dates at the same time. Haven't these people heard of time turners? (laughs) (laughs) There's a deep cut. All right. Yeah. Um, for the top five report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And uh, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week.